Royal Sisters, thank you for tuning in. This season, we are continuing our goal of inspiring women of all ages to pursue their passions and follow their dreams in both career and personal lives. Many of our past guests have achieved great success in starting their own initiatives or following unique career paths. This season, we hope to encourage young girls by sharing the journeys of women who have started their own initiative. This podcast has been a truly transformative and empowering experience for us. We hope to convey this message through our conversations and interviews. We are humbled to share the stories of these inspiring women to show you their successes and struggles of how they got to where they are today. We hope that after each episode, you come out a little more inspired and can dream just a little bigger. So listen, relax, reflect, and refocus. Thank you so much for tuning in on our podcast, and we truly hope you enjoy it. Dear little sisters, we're thrilled to introduce you to Dr. Vibha Jawa, who we'll be chatting with today. Dr. Jawa is an executive director at Bristol-Myers Squibb. Thank you so much for coming on to our podcast today. We're thrilled to have you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. So can you please tell us a little bit about your journey to get to where you are today? Sure. Um, well, it's a long journey. So um, I can start from, uh, where would you like me to start? From my college or school or my time here in the U.S.? Maybe just from the very beginning. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, uh, so I uh, was born in India. I was, um, and we used to live in not a very huge city. We used to live very close to New Delhi, which is the capital of India. And it was a small uh, university kind of a town where my parents were working. And uh, and my dad, he, he he's uh, no longer um, there, but he used to be a professor of biochemistry uh in uh, in that research institute and so we we were born there when he moved there after finishing his education from us he decided to go back and uh, like do some research in his own country um so our earlier life like uh, me and my sister who was a year younger than me were both we were very much uh about what our dad did so we used to go to his lab all the time and uh, he had a biochemistry lab, so he would do a lot of, at that time, enzyme purification. So we got to see all these cool columns in the lab and um, and summer break as well as evening. Sometimes we just spend all of our free time there. And uh, the tempting part was because it was a dairy research institute, we got to eat some ice creams and like, you know, milkshakes at the end of it. So that was the reward. So I don't know if we were going for the science of it or for the for those uh, milk products and, and the ice creams. So, but uh, we slowly uh, kind of gravitated towards the science uh, field just because uh, we had a lot of um, training or tutoring from uh, both my dad and my mom who was uh, who, who also was working in the same institute, but her um, work was more in agriculture economics. So she was taking a lot of technology from lab into land, which was the, the farmers around where we lived in the villages. So she was doing more of that social community work. So we were quite influenced by all of those, the activities around us. Um, 
after high school uh, we we were there till 10th grade but then we had to move on to a bigger town like and delhi new delhi was close by like 120 kilometers from there and um that was the only place to get like to the next level of schooling which was grade 11 and 12 so it was an interesting experience because we were 16 years old like my, i was 16 my sister was 15 and both of us just, uh, were sent to delhi to live with my aunt but we had never been out of like our house and so it was a very uh like a, it was challenging because new delhi if if you guys have seen any pictures uh it's very busy it's like a cosmopolitan and it's like so much activity and we were kind of intimidated by it and then we had all this um like we had to get used to a new school uh we were going into advanced uh, med uh, pre med kind of courses and as you know there's a rigor which we have to work with so so def- definitely there was a lot of uh, change and at that time it seemed quite shocking uh, to us uh but i think we got used to it and that was in in a way inflection point for both me and my sister because um going from a very um protected kind of environment you were just thrown into this huge uh, mix of diverse people and like uh going and ca- catching your own bus which was like a public transport with lot of people in that bus so how to deal with that and go to school make new friends so it evolved us and it also made us a bit more resilient in the end uh, the parents were not there at all so we had to speak for ourselves um, so we ended up both of us were very interested in pure sciences uh, and after school after grade 12 there are in india uh, the main uh, bigger options are to go into an engineering school or a medical school so you do one of those and that's how the indian style of thinking is the parents will just if you are in science you have to do either of those and if you do uh, go and follow the third path then it's not considered desi- like not the most desirable kind of a uh, profession to take because it's long and and no one respects it so and uh, both of us uh, were interested in the uh, like uh, research but it was more about do we want to do it based on medicine or do you want to just uh, do some like basic research so i was very interested in pursuing medicine so i actually took a lot of competitive entrance exams to get into med school which is right after um high school so it's like a direct med uh, program it's not that you have to do three or four years of undergrad and uh, it was very disappointing for me because i tried but it was not that easy the competition was very very high and i tried for a whole year just studying and i didn't get in it was always a few marks here and there where i would not make it to that level of being admitted and my parents were not very open for us to go anywhere outside delhi so they could they did not want to send us to other states or other uh, regions of india because they just felt it's not it was not safe for girls to be on their own so uh, i ended up um, enrolling in delhi university and they had a very cool course that was being offered on it it was pure biochemistry and it was like you can do as much biochemistry you want and 
And of course, both me and my sister were so fascinated already. We knew half of our textbooks of college level biochemistry already because of my dad who used to teach us just for the sake of it. So, so we said, why not? Like, let's join it. So we ended up graduating or finished our undergrad. So we were both together. It's like funny because we started school together. She was a year younger, but we were in the same grade, stayed in the same class, did the same undergrad. And then at that point, the next level of education was to go into a master's because um, undergrad in biochemistry is not going to be enough. Uh, so if you pursue these physical sciences, you have to take your best degree, which is the PhD. So uh, I ended up applying for a med school master's where it was a more of a clinical biochemistry kind of a um, track. While my sister, she went into pure because she just wanted to do pure research, like finding more pathways and like understanding the mechanisms. So she ended up staying in Delhi University while I went to this uh, very premier institute called All India Institute of Medical Sciences. So there I, I, I think I found my calling because I was able to interact with the clinicians. I was able to see a lot of disease, the way it evolves and the biochemistry and the and the immunology of that disease and that's where uh, my interest in immunology developed because there were lots of uh, diseases which were caused by a body's immune system when it tries to attack itself so i decided that i'm going to do my thesis work for masters and my phd in something related to um, rheumatoid arthritis which is a disease where you uh, your joints start getting damaged and deformed and because the immune cells think uh, the, the proteins in the joint are foreign and they start killing it. So uh, so I tagged along with these uh, rheumatologists and nephrologists who were treating the patients and, and Ames is a place where everyone comes to. So you have so much, uh, like you can learn so much from these patients' cells and their uh, like rheumatoid uh, joint fluid and so all my thesis work was studying those to understand in real time what's going on so I didn't even have to use like animals to study or do any of that like you know experiments with cell lines I was actually using the patient derived samples and so uh, in that time my sister had decided to move on she got a United Nations fellowship to go to Europe to do her PhD which was very um uh, it's it's a, it's a very esteemed fellowship and she got that for five years and as we were very close i've i went through this strange like you know feeling that i've lost one of my friends like i was very very depressed for almost a year i could not function and i was in my uh, phd entry like first year and so this was a very crazy year for me because I was debating that did I make the right choice maybe I should go to US and pursue my PhD there instead of I was doing very well but you know you always look at others and think they are doing better than me and I'm left behind and and just because my sister had gone and she was telling me how they're doing a lot of cool experiments and cool things and I was still doing whatever I had decided to do so um so you know it it was not that someone mentored me or, but you know, my dad was very much like, you're doing so good. You're doing so much good work with patients. Why would you think she has to go and like, he had to like reason with me that you're already so far ahead. Why would you stop everything and then try to start all over? And uh, so, but you know, I was 22 years old. You don't 
you you don't get it like you just think uh, like there's everyone is trying to pacify you but some um, there was an opportunity for me to go for uh, six months to go work on my thesis work in Europe too which was in a lab in Netherlands who was doing the same kind of work and uh, so my my dad said why don't you go try it out because I think it was more about the novelty of going to work in a research lab somewhere outside the country and it was not about the actual work it was more about that so he said i'm going to pay for your like boarding and lodging i'll find you a flight you go and do this and come back and finish here and i think that that helped me because it gave me that realization that the work i was currently doing was so novel itself that i didn't have to go to this other lab they were not doing all of or they didn't even have all the patient samples and resources so it was a lot of um, uh, it was good realization that things that just look good because they're on the other side that doesn't mean they're good you have to uh, keep on going with what you have decided and not get like swayed by all these small things which happen Um, so focusing is very important because you have to finish what you started from what you said, what really stood out to me was science was like always part of your life. So from a very early age, you had experiences like visiting your dad's lab where you saw things happening in front of you. And I feel like for a lot of people, their interests start really early on in life with just seeing things around you. And throughout your life, a lot of experiences that you've had with your parents and with your sister really guided your path for you and directed you to your own interests. So I think that's really amazing. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for that's a very nice recapitulation. It seems like your family has been a guiding guiding factor throughout your life. And I think I really resonate with that because even if I'm not super interested in what my parents are doing for work because they're doctors and I can't even check my pulse, but um, just what they do and and how they carry themselves, I think that in itself inspires me. So I was just going to say that um, I I think my parents inspire me as well. Very nice. Yeah. Yeah, no, so uh, I always felt that my whatever uh, I want to do, they're going to support me, but sometimes they have they have more experience than me, so it's good to listen to what they're saying, and, and, um, and that's something which I always try to tell my kids, even the kids I'm mentoring, that there is no harm in listening. I mean, you don't have to do what people are telling you to do, but what's the harm? Let them say their piece. And and at some point you're going to think about what people said and some things will resonate with you. Not everything, but some something will. So, so yeah, so, you know, I finished like in India to do a PhD is not an easy task. Also, uh, one thing, if, if you take the look at it more as a positive side, then I would say that it made me more of a person who knew how to be resourceful. Uh, the, the, even in a premier medical school like that, the research was not the focus. The, uh, like re- research has always been considered as something which people do when uh, they can get into like bigger things, so, right? So it's a very... Tra- Uh, like a drab dull kind of a profession and task and you have to be very patient and everyone wants immediate results so 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 it did uh, teach me that you have to be patient you have to be always ready for uh, a lot of failures before you see success and also how to be able to get your work done in a 
very complicated social environment where things are not just like systematically done with a process it's very haphazard like you expect okay i'm going to go get and do my animal study one day but no you have to first go and develop a almost like a social relationship with the person who will feed your mice and and you need to be in the like have some tea with them or like you know it's very socially different way to deal with things that you just can't say please these are my six mice can you inject them no and i'll come to that later when i come to us and that was the way it was and i was very efficient yes but in india everything was uh, had to be first uh, you have to build your a relationship you have to have them on your side and then they would do anything for you i mean they will even come in the night and do your experiment or help you with it so so it did teach me that uh, you have to be before you start asking or looking for collaborations with people you have to build a level of trust and you have to build this um almost like a um, ability to Uh, know them at a level which is much more than just a professional level and that's a very society driven uh, practice um asian society may be more like that than uh, here so uh, so by the time i was uh, leaving i had finished my uh, thesis work i had submitted it for review but i i had started looking for uh, opportunities and i always wanted to come and do my postdoctoral studies in us and i had been keeping track of what's going on and like what are the big fields and uh, but i also used to read a lot of these uh, science journals so so at the back of it there were all these um ads for like people who are looking for uh, some students or postdoctoral fellowships so i used to just apply randomly and just to keep it in context this was late 90s there were no the internet was not like what we have it used to be you have to wire and it's like it used to connect to something and it was a very slow process so you were you were given like maybe 15 minutes you can go quickly check all your emails and uh, and so it was a very long drawn process and you had to take permissions to be able to use it so i applied with an email and i sent this and then i had to wait till next day to see my email whether i got a response and and so uh, of course you're not going to get responses that fast and especially they would get people from their own countries so i was very surprised when someone from upen did write to me and they said oh they would be interested in talking to me about a potential opportunity and they were looking for someone who had experience doing immunology and um and this person was a cardiologist and he was looking to uh, build a lab and he was writing a grant and he wanted me to write it with him so so suddenly you know it uh, started making sense we wrote a grant uh, he submitted it to american heart association and uh, uh, 6 weeks later he told me oh it got uh, like approved and we have some money to bring you here and so uh, so everything was i think it was moving along i just didn't have my thesis so i told him i don't have my degree i have submitted a thesis are you okay for me to come and he said of course he didn't care whether i have a like a certificate so i decided to leave um, not leave but finish everything very fast and and again that required negotiating with my then boss that you know i need to leave so can you help me finish all my formalities and uh, so they were not very happy because i was 
training a lot of undergrad students at that time and uh, they really needed my help to transition projects which were ongoing so i had to work through some of the nights and just get things done because uh, now i had a next aim that i need to move on so so then i came on my own completely like i had no family here no relatives uh, i came into philadelphia and my father, this uh, guy the, the cardiologist met me and the moment he saw me he said oh i didn't expect you to be looking like the way you're looking and i'm like what does that mean and so they had a very different vision of people coming from india and uh, and so i'm not sure what that meant i'm going to leave it at that but it was a funny response when he met me he didn't ask me anything but just said that so uh, so i spent uh, for the first 6 months uh, i started working i got acclimatized i got myself an apartment uh, they, the the fellowship they gave me was enough for me to pay for the rental but i i was very cautious so i just got like this small one bedroom studio uh where like you know i could save some money etc so it taught me a lot of things like self managing i had never lived on my own i always lived with my parents even during my graduate school so um so again it was coming to a new country learning about new stuff like joining a lab starting a new project in a completely different field and then um like being very independent uh, but I was 28 I was not like 18 years old so I was a mature person so then um 6 months later this person told me he is leaving UPenn he has found a job in biotech sector or something and I need to find a new place for myself he was willing to keep the grant going for me he was not going to uh withdraw it but I had and this was very uh like a very a stressful news for me because one I had just begun my work which meant i had to pack my bags and find a lab somewhere it couldn't could be in upen it could be somewhere else completely and i was on this j1 visa which is a very specific visa only meant for doing post doctoral work you can't use it to go somewhere else and start doing something so the, the two options for me were either go back to india or find something someone who would be willing to sponsor me and and you know i am maybe i'm believe I, i don't know if i believe in god but i believe in something big out there so i was sitting in the cafeteria and then I, someone came to me and this girl was of indian origin and she always wanted to talk to people who came from india and she told me oh uh, i had met her before and she said what's going on and i said i don't know what to do and and she immediately said let's go I, my boss is looking and she's a great person i want to introduce you to her and this is in a matter of like the same day like he my uh, first boss gave me the news and then i was sitting and then this girl comes so so i i think i i feel that there is a god and like there's some power which is looking at everything and helps you to figure things out so then um i went to uh, dr bennett who was this uh, person and she was the best like you know she had no she was so sympathetic she was not about oh what can you do what you can do it was more about empathy and like i know what you're feeling and don't worry about it things work out and and then i was very cut and dry and i said you know i can i can do this 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 for you because i had to quickly read about her research and it was in a completely different field it was uh, in ophthalmology like you know you have to study the eye and then she was delivering this gene therapy vectors into the eye to treat blindness so 
I had never worked with a something as an organ like an eye. I had worked with like human immune systems. I had worked now learned about heart. So so but I quickly adapted. So I told her this is my skill set. Would you like that? And she said absolutely because they were looking for doing some uh, animal studies and they wanted be, uh, someone who could do the immune responses or look for Im- immune responses in these animals. And then she was very generous and she said you can keep your grant but she was going to give me another postdoc fellowship on her own because she had grants so i actually ended up with two grants which made me the richest postdoc in that whole floor uh, because postdocs are considered poor but and uh, so i i felt really lucky that okay i had to move on but that didn't mean that i kind of lost i actually gained quite a bit because i got this new boss who was super nice and uh, and she also was um, and 3 years later when i finished all my postdoc work i had the most publications from that lab because uh, one of course i was always there i had no family to go to or like hang out friends were i made friends over a period of time but i had so much time so i was always working in the lab so i ended up spending doing a lot of work which ended up into manuscripts or publications which is the sign of success for a postdoc because a postdoc is supposed to work and generate original data and write it up and publish and that reflects on the advancement of me as a scientist but it also looks good for the for your uh, supervisor who hired you so so i think i feel that things happen for a reason and at the time when you're going through something very negative it can be the end of the world and you might i at one point i even thought maybe i made the mistake because my friends were in india and i'm leaving everything behind my family and i'm coming to a brand new country and i have no friends i made such a big step on my own and uh, and now something everything is taken away from me but it worked out you know and sometimes it works out so fast too thank you so much for sharing your story and i love how you went through your journey and also told us what you learned and one thing that really stood out to me i can't stop thinking about it is the socialization in the labs and th- that's so eye opening i didn't know that you had to socialize with people and kind of use this as a social currency and then they would help you that 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 that's unbelievable that's so cool though yeah and you know it's different and we will think that maybe in us it's not like that but trust me uh, you can get much better work done out of your colleagues and peers and your collaborators and even your uh, like you know fellow postdocs or colleagues just by going out and hanging out with a, like a cup of coffee and not talk about anything science talk about in everything else and so there is a value in that um off uh science, like in my case off science conversations and just uh asking very mundane questions but it helps out <laughs> that's really cool and yeah. i think that, that that's that kind of may translate to other areas where if you talk to people and get to know people and do things in social settings not necessarily like in work settings or um things like that then you can get to know people um on a different level and like you were saying build trust with with people and that can build your network as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Um I was going to say that you have such a long journey that took so many different turns and it really resonated with me that not only did you do so many things that were successful but you also mentioned certain periods where you struggled and 
had uncertainties and every time one thing ended there was another path for you um and you've clearly met so many good people along the way and um you kind of already answered this but our first question was can you tell us about um what first interested you about the stem field were there any specific experiences in your childhood or throughout your career that really got you interested in the field you're in now yeah so i think um very early on and this is in elementary school um i used to see um my dad because he went come came back when we were in elementary school he came to us for a small um like some kind of training so he was at columbia university so uh, and when he came back he told us about like he had pictures but he also had uh, some of the work and you know we were like not very old like 9 or 10 years old maybe so our interest in science was because there but i don't think it was like we knew what science meant or what but it was more of the the work the way he described how people were working in the labs and like how he's bringing some of that back to his lab in india and then his uh, his students would show up in our house uh, on the weekends just to discuss their research so i think we just we were just imbibing it on it was an passive absorption going on for us so so i think and the grades in the school were also helping because uh, i me and my sister were always top of our school like class and uh, and it was mainly the math and the science which was uh, keeping us on the top uh, there were other languages too so i think it was more of that positive endorsement in a way uh, or like a positive feedback which i call that's an immunology term by the way but i'll use it here so when you do something and you see that you are appreciated for it you do more of that and you more of that and and then people recognize you for your scientific ability or an analysis skills and they speak out uh, and we were in a convent school because uh if you had to learn english as a language as your first medium of language then you had to go to these convent schools who were very much uh focused on science so i think we just got into the stem learning just because of where we were and also some of the personal family influence as well as the school that's amazing i think for me right now my school is a huge influence on my interest in stem because at my high school there's always things happening around me that are really interesting and just really successful um for example i had a friend who recently did a research project where she built a pulse oximeter for people with low blood circulation that was different than how it's normally coded and she had to like test it on different participants so i saw her go from it being an idea to a sketch to an actual product and then i had it tested on me and it's just experiences like that that really inspired me and i also think that there's some truth to the fact that we like the things that we're good at and then when we get encouraged from grades or just from people at school to pursue those things it definitely heightens our interest in them All right. Um how can girls navigate competitive environments and stay true to themselves in these environments? Yeah, and you know, um I have to say that even with all this advancement in science and so much awareness and and uh, even especially now when all this knowledge is so easy to uh, access, 
um, compared to when I was growing up. Uh, I am very disappointed when I see the school, the girls especially, and the schools here that um, there is this mindset that that schools are not necessarily uh, teaching uh, teaching or telling the girls that uh, do something which is science focused or even uh, like give them those opportunities. So everyone is doing it on their own in a way. I don't see that. Uh, drive coming from or uh, encouragement coming from uh, the school curriculum as such. So it's almost like if these girls are not mentored or they're not told, okay, you can do it, they will just think it's not something they're interested in because it's not presented in a way that it is um, like attractive. Uh, and uh, especially when the kids are growing up and the girls especially, they have this mindset somehow that their math skills or technical or analytical skills are not that strong and and this ironically i've seen that more in this country i would have expected country like india which is very um, patriarchal to be more like that but on the opposite side we were always encouraged as girls to pursue whatever we want and maybe it's because we were belonging to a family which was more educated so i don't know <clears throat> but I see that mindset more here in this country that girls tend to congregate or <clears throat> not pursue math or not pursue anything which seems too complicated to solve and they would rather take go into humanities but again nothing against the humanities but I think everyone should be given that opportunity but also um, uh, be encouraged if, they, if certain skills are seen so like robotics or engineering or coding these are not just for boys it's for girls too and there should be courses or people or teachers encouraging the girls who are showing that interest definitely it's very interesting i was in the seminar at school a couple weeks ago and they were talking about how gender roles and these kind of boxes were put in start at such a young age before people even have like the knowledge that they exist so for example the toys that girls and guys are given so a girl might be given a barbie doll where a guy might be given like a truck or a set of tools and just those little things um from the time we're very little i think kind of separate us into these boxes and i think that might have something to do with this mindset that girls should go into the humanities or maybe something creative or something in that but there are so many incredible women stem you as one of them and um just just putting ourselves in these boxes really just inhibits our success and what we can do, I think. Yeah, and it is a, uh, like a conditioning or a bias which is just there in the society. It's not that um, we, we decided to do it or even as a parent, it's just the way you go out and uh, as you said, like what you buy. And I just bought for my niece um, a Barbie, but it was a Barbie who's a scientist just so that she's aware that, and I'm glad that um, these Mattels and other companies are making those now. And um, so it's changing, it's evolving. And I think the social media, which is so active and uh, our ability to talk about this in different forums, like you guys are doing, I think that helps. And hopefully by doing these small grassroots efforts, then it just becomes consistent everywhere. Definitely. I think the world, and especially like even stuff like toys, is getting much more diverse and um, more representative. But 
Um, I think there still are these like boxes, but they're definitely getting a lot better, especially through media and through different, like like you said, social media platforms and yeah. stuff like that. So what's can you tell us a little bit about um, what it's like to be a woman in the STEM field? So, um, you know, I, I think I've been lucky. I would say that I haven't seen that much of a disparity or um, it's not like I was treated um, much less than a counterpart who was male in my uh, area of work. Um, and whatever I said, it was respected. Uh, the, and I think it might be the companies that I work for are very uh, well-known uh, larger companies who have uh, like more liberal mindsets. And uh, so I think women in STEM and especially my experience I, maybe I struggled in the beginning because um, I was um, I, I was 14 years in one company and then uh, in retrospect when you think I could have left seven or eight years before but I always also think that that was my time of learning and uh, seeing like how to navigate through conflicts and so I, I came to uh, learn just going through the experience rather than taking these trainings to do it just on my job uh, but um, one aspect is that when you're at a certain age you have to prioritize what's important your family or uh, work and and sometimes things take longer to get to where you need and I won't call it a women in STEM function I would call it like how you prioritize your your uh, like stages of life and what you want to do at a certain stage so if, if you have young kids, you're not going to say, I'm going to become the VP of a company because what is going to happen to your kids then? Like they have to stay with a, some other caregiver or they have to go into daycare forever. So I think those are the things, but uh, I, there are other women in STEM who have progressed at a much faster pace just because they have to sacrifice something else. So, but to your question of women in STEM, I, I think there is still some level of disparity and there is a like compensation, for example, it's well known that women are paid less than their counterparts um, in, in, in every industry. And I think it's true for uh, some of the biopharmaceutical industries too. There has been very visible and like, uh, concerted effort to change that and it has occurred so I would say it's better than what it was a decade ago uh, but opportunities wise I think it depends on the woman too because we can't just keep on using an excuse that oh I'm a woman that I won't get this or get that sometimes you have to just go and stand up and say I'm ready for this uh, this is what I would like to do and you might raise some eyebrows, but oh well. Uh, and if you don't get it, then you also need to know that you have to leave that place. It's no longer something you would um, accept or tolerate, and you have to go and you will find a better place for yourself. Definitely. I think not settling for something less and reaching your full potential and being ambitious is so important. And on um, what you said, that women have to balance a lot of things, I think that's really true. And but I think navigating that and just learning what you can do, what your limits are, and, and just prioritizing yourself and what you need is super important as well. Um, I was actually gonna say the same thing as Lena. Um, I'm very happy to hear that once you actually get into 
a professional field that women are respected on the same level as men, even if there are some opportunities that are more difficult for them to get to. But I also agree that there's more pressure on women to have a balance between having a home life and pursuing a career, whereas men their entire lives are encouraged to continue their career, but women have to kind of think about eventually like taking care of children and all of these other balancing ads that kind of make it difficult for them to really focus on what they want to do. Um, yeah, so you know, there is a phrase, I was in a women's leadership meeting a month ago and uh, someone, they, my friend, she's from FDA and she said something about why do we expect men to help? It should be, they are our partners, right? Because if you get married, you're like two parts of the same family. So don't ask for help. You just say that you are partnering with me to raise this kid, so you are my partner. So then it's a 50% partnership. So when you're asking for help, you're suddenly making the other person, okay, I'm doing your favor by helping you. And that should not be the case. So I thought that there was a lot of value in her uh, assessment. Definitely. I've seen these things on social media where it's like, if um, the male figure in a relationship or um, like the male parent um, watches the children, it's like a babysitting job. But if a mom does it or the female figure, then it's just expected. And I saw it it was something similar for the groceries. If like the male figure takes the kids to the groceries oh wow it's like a, a big deal but if mom does it, it's, it's just expected so i think some of these societal expectations are really weird and but um these boxes that are just are just yeah. they exist and, and they're very challenging to navigate yeah so no i, I think it's it's changed uh, and um I, I have been lucky i have to say that i've never felt that because um Uh, In our case, we moved our whole family here and it was my husband who said you should go do it. So, you know, it depends on uh, how how good your partner is too. And that's one thing which I have to say all to all the younger people that when they do decide to find your life partner, you have to talk about these things and not just about where you will get married and where, where you will have your wedding ceremony. You have to ask, what do you think about 10 years from now? Like, how would what is that philosophy of raising kids and those are very difficult like those are very conversations no one thinks about when they are young um, but it comes back at some point to either bite you or you're appreciative of it definitely i think i see that within my parents too they're very i mean as a young girl they're very supportive of whatever i want to do and they're very supportive of each other and i think that they they really respect each other and um are, are very they have a very productive relationship and, and very support each other and I think that's important I think that's something that everyone should think about no matter what the relationship is even with friends or people classmates people at school so be in whatever really whatever type of relationship is be in one that that has a mutual respect mutual yes. trust um and, and I guess that's re- just what a healthy relationship should look like absolutely so um, kind of on a different note, what we were talking about before, how can we engage um, girls in our community in STEM? Yeah, and I think we have to make this as part of our conversations all the time because some, some of these kids think that just being interested in STEM makes them less um, uh, like 
their friends won't like them uh, because oh you are uh, talking about such a serious topic and you're a nerd and like oh uh, i don't want to do science because then uh, maybe the boys won't like me anymore because they'll think i'm too smart for them so you know there's all these mindsets and so we have to treat science like anything else and and as we did last year when we did the stem camp we made it like a fun thing where there there was so much uh, different applications and it doesn't have to be just a boring experiment of acid and base it has so much other uh, uses and uh, applied to the everyday life so we have to start messaging science as something which is cool and like look at all these women who are doing this and they have they're doing so much work and they're so visible and it's not you don't have to be exposed to social media only through what you wear or what you like your hairstyles and all which used to be the old way to get visible there there are ways to get visible by winning a science fair uh, trophy and still be appreciated so so i think the messaging and uh, everyone girls encouraging other girls to do it and if the, there are some girls who are good at science and telling their uh, friends or their other schoolmates oh you should follow this or team up with me I, i think we have to just do it for each other and especially women have to do it much more for other women and uh, mentor them at every level so if you are high school mentor a uh, middle schooler if you are a middle schooler mentor a uh, elementary school uh, girl so they get exposed to the science from very beginning rather than treat it as a very tough topic which they see in ninth grade and then get all intimidated definitely and and as a high school girl it can be tough i mean think you do my friends like me is that person looking at me weird are they talking about me and all of these things are swirling in our head and then i think doing things that make us seem like an outsider or not fitting in with the norm whatever that is whether it be stem or dressing a different way or doing our hair a different way it's all very taxing and there's so much going on so I I think that just finding your people and find like you said finding finding the people that will support you and go go in and do it with you. I think those kind of people are are really great to be around because then you don't have to think are they going to judge me for doing this science project or entering this robotics competition. They'll they'll support me and they'll have my back. Right. Um I agree with that and I think at my high school especially I've seen a huge difference in how boys and girls kind of even just their confidence level when it comes to pursuing STEM whereas obviously everyone is respected and everyone is encouraged into the STEM field but there's a lot more both pressure and uncertainty in girls in group projects they might be overlooked a little more they might not be taken as seriously and there's always um i guess this voice that's like am i supposed to be doing this is this good enough and i feel like um more girls experience that than anyone else but i also think that at the same time being in high school now there's a lot of organizations and communities that focus on encouraging girls specifically in stem um i know that girls who code is a huge one because it's a program that focuses on only teaching girls how to code and um there's also events at our school a few weeks ago a few of my friends ran a hackathon that was focused specifically on middle school girls and so that was amazing to witness and i think that it goes both ways because while there's still a lot more pressure on girls more and more girls are being encouraged in the community to 
look into STEM and see it as something that they might also be interested in. Yeah, and uh, we were at this uh, science fair yesterday and I was very impressed because there were there was all these categories. So like engineering and physics and math. Uh, I saw some kids from your school too, Bernice. Uh, from oh, they were now. telling me about that. And um, super impressed to see girls winning math and engineering yeah. and physics so i'm i mean i'm sure that there were a lot of girls like you know in the marine and science like that whole area because girls love to go and uh, work with those um like the topics which are related to environmental science and earth and botany but you see less girls in the physics and the engineering and uh, and computer science and there were a lot more this year which is just tells you that yeah. Uh, the whole trend is changing now and you're seeing equal number of girls compete and actually win those awards. I'm so happy you mentioned that because I'm so proud of my friends. Um, And I think actually now that I'm thinking about it, more girls won this year at High Tech yes. than um, guys. And um, I'm friends with um, the person who won first place in engineering and like second place in engineering. And I'm pretty sure I also have someone who did um physics or something like that and it's just really cool to see girls who are succeeding and um, yes. doing those things yeah yeah and, so, uh, and i think the high tech and the biotech and all these technology schools um they are doing a good job of uh, providing these kind of projects yeah. to both of both the boys and girls of course thank you um so as a follow-up to that, how can girls follow their STEM passion and start an initiative, whether that be a lab experiment or mentorship or like a service project? Yeah, and uh, that, that's close to my heart. And uh, so I came to New Jersey five years ago and I was in California before that. And so my kids used to go to the STEM magnet school. It was a NASA sponsored STEM magnet. And so everything there used to be taught as science as a basic. So if you were doing math, math had mainly science focused, like like topics were science and then there was a math in it. If you were doing um, like social science, again, there was a science uh, focus to that. And this was elementary school. So you're talking first grade to fifth grade. Um, so I got very involved because I used to work at a biotech company and we were very much about like teaching kids about what's going on in the biotechnology field and and we wanted to start early so i used to go volunteer in these uh, the kids uh, science lab and uh, so we used to do the science fair every not fair it was a science day and it was a fun thing because people would get dressed up and uh, there were all these uh, physics and math like different rooms with different experiments and it was like a carnival it was not called a science fair at all it was like a carnival where kids had to come up with uh, t-shirts where they could come up with us like a logo or and one year someone some kid made like this alien logo on the t-shirt and everyone selected that as the first one so it the whole science topic was ingrained in everything they did so it was not oh this is a science topic i have to go read it and do some experiment no so whatever they did it was about science so so when I came here, we, we moved here and my kids were get, getting into middle school, I found that there was nothing, I mean, practically nothing here. So I volunteered in um, 
the middle school and the high school that I can take some kids as mentors and I have my the company I was working for at that time um, was very interested in doing it so I found a bunch of friends who said yes we can do it and these we are like advanced level scientists and we have to really bring it down to level of a kid to teach right so it was again relearning for us because we would say something which was too complicated so a lot of my uh, some of the uh, non-scientist friends said you need to tone it down you're never going to uh, like get anyone interested in science with this all this jargon so so we slowly started talking to these kids and and when i came to homedale high school for example uh, there was this excellent excellent um, teacher in the honor advanced research program which which is a great program by the way which homedale high school offers she herself was a phd is a phd in chemistry from mit but she decided to teach these high school students and support them with these courses uh, very dynamic and she introduced me to all these kids and i said um, I, I'm willing to mentor and guess what girls came forward none of the boys wanted to do it they showed that interest they raised their hand but the ones who followed through were girls and so I mentored a few and they ended up reaching all these Jersey Shore science fairs and Delaware Valley so the the story is that you have to offer you have to offer help you have to go and say the you know, i am ready to mentor are you ready and then you have to be patient because these kids are so busy in their uh, schools and they are doing so much so as a mentor it taught me that i just don't want to have too much expectation but i'm going to like steer them wherever they have time and some kids are much more engaged some are not so you have to work with each one of them in a very customized way but you don't want to lose interest you have to pursue as a mentor and then the kids talk with each other and then more come and more come so you just make a big group like that but you have to we have to all start like as a scientist my responsibility is to go and find and mentor and then uh, i think uh, Lena, you have been working with me on the STEM camps, and so I expect at your level to engage the middle school or the elementary school kids. So you are, and you are a better uh, fo- follower for them than me. They associate much better with you because they, for them, you are their idol because you are bigger than them. So it, it always happens. The younger kids always follow. Uh, older kids so when they see you do it they'll say I want to do it so it's all about that definitely I think at any age mentoring and um, engaging younger communities in whatever you're passionate about is very important because then you can pass on whatever you've learned from your mentors and and people that have taught you throughout your journey and, and just pass that along which I think is really important so our last question for today is, what is one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self? I think um, that maybe I should not uh, just um, like dwell on my failures too much because there was a time when I kept on uh, like giving myself a hard time and like, oh, I could have done this better and this and that. And this was, everyone goes through their age of uncertainty where we think that whatever decisions we have made are wrong and uh, so uh, but if you have a good group of friends or even if you talk to someone who's older than you and they can put it in perspective uh, i think things will make sense but 
I I think I used to be more negative than what I am now. Um so I I can call myself a pessimist or maybe uh, too much of like a self-critical person and then uh, then slowly as I matured I found that everyone has something or the other but it's not important because there are other 80% of things that are also going the right way and if you just focus on those the the 20% will always be there for everyone no one will have their perfect lives all the time things will go up and down so a strong uh, like a mentor or like a strong network of friends whom you know will be able to like help you rather than be toxic so you don't want to be if you recognize people who are negative for you or who are toxic i think you will still be of their friend but you also need to know that um they are not the ones whom you want to go and you yourself need picking up so you're you have able to judge that you have to find a group of friends who are going to be objective and give you the right opinion i agree with that completely i feel like a lot of people growing up have a very perfectionistic attitude and it could be really discouraging to feel like you're not good enough compared to your peers or have doubt that you're not able to reach your goals and um yeah so i had someone who i really looked up to tell me that if you just have your ideal outcome in mind while you're working towards something you're much more likely to achieve it than um if you focus on the negatives and constantly question whether or not you'll succeed it's you'll be much more motivated and much more driven to reach your goal if you're actually if you actually believe that you can accomplish it so it's always better to kind of focus on the positive I think I've had um a similar but different kind of experience. I feel like I've always been an extremely optimistic person, but at the same time I've always been very hard on myself. I've always expected a lot from myself like um like I I I I love my friends and I love my family, but the way I view them I I I'm not critical of them. I I I'm not I'm not like that, but for myself I'm extremely critical. I like I have to be perfect in everything and I have to have this standard for everything that I do but I don't know I guess it's just interesting that that doesn't translate for how I view other people but I guess it's just how I view myself and I guess it's it, it works out sometimes but sometimes it can be a lot cuz I do expect a lot from myself but um I think just trying to tone that down a little bit and balance that is important for me yeah because otherwise you can burn out right so you have to see we we can all do a lot when if it is needed but then you have to see that is that something which is also stressing you out or is it making you happy like why are you doing this and you have to stop sometime and ask that question and and maybe i'm the the worst person to do that because i do so much multitasking and like try to do a lot with my day and with my evenings but in the end you kind of figure out what makes you happy so even if you have done a lot of work you're working the full day but you still want to do something like you guys are doing right now it's making you happy and it's work but it's also as a way for outlet so i think those are the things you find out that um what is making you happy in the end and then it's no longer like a burden it's more like yes uh, you're achieving th- things which make your endorphin levels go up 
Definitely. Thank you so much for chatting with us and coming on to our podcast today. This discussion is so insightful. Thank you. Thank you, both of you. You are, you are extremely smart and brilliant uh, young women. And so I'm hoping that we are just going to go and, and encourage other girls and uh, have them also follow us and uh, include in our big circle. Thank you. Of course, thank you so much.